You are listening to the How to Talk to Girls podcast with me, Trip Kramer. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the How to Talk to Girls podcast. I'm your host, Trip Kramer from tripadvice.com. Welcome back to another episode. I'm excited to be here today because today we are going to be talking about how to stop comparing yourself to others. Now, this is something that I have talked about here on the podcast from time to time, and I've decided to dedicate a little bit more of an episode to it and and really hone in on this for a second, because I feel like whenever I'm doing coaching and I'm talking to my clients, this seems to come up quite a bit. And I have to admit that this comes up too in my everyday conversations, my conversations with friends, my conversations with family. So this is a conversation that comes up just all the time comparing yourself to other people and what it means to compare yourself to other people who specifically have more than you or so you think have more than you. People who are richer have a pretty girlfriend, people who are tall and handsome, comparing yourself to people who have more in any area of life that you want it. Maybe it's the person who has gotten a promotion at work. Maybe you you talk to some guy and and they made a lot of money in crypto and stocks, and you're jealous of them. So, or I should say, envious. So, envy and comparing yourself to other people who have more than you, it is uh, one of the deadly sins, isn't it? Envy, being envious of other people. So, we're going to talk about that today, and we're going to go into that. And then I'm going to do some Q and A. So, those of you who have been awesome and patient while we do some interviews here on the podcast. Of course, it gets a little backed up here, so we're going to start to answer some questions and get into that. So first, I'm going to start off with a little bit of a, of a story here. So uh, I, I won't name any names, but there is someone that I know who is a drug addict, someone who I thought had their whole life together, someone who I thought uh, really had everything going. And it wasn't that I was ever envious of them. Of course, there have been plenty of people I've been envious of. I'm, I'm guilty of that. But that's not really the story. This is not a story of envy. It's just a story about not knowing the whole picture. So someone who I, who I know, who very successful person, extremely successful, has a family, um, has great friends, great uh Besides his own family, like he has, you know, still an amazing family of of parents and, and siblings. And I've come to learn that this person had a hidden addiction to some drugs. And I won't go into any kind of specifics there, but just understand that this person I thought had a very, let's say, easy life, meaning he is someone who had everything, so life came easy. But but look at that. You discover that there's some skeletons in the closet. And I, I'm not putting this person down at all. This person is a friend of mine, and they're going through uh, you know, rehabilitation, and they are in meetings, and they are trying to get themselves clean. And so I'm telling you this story. Not really a story. It's I guess it's more just a situation, because you really can't judge a book by its cover. And this is very related to our topic here, where we talk about stop comparing yourself to others. You don't know someone's situation, so 
it is impossible for you to fully compare yours to someone else's, even though that person has a prettier girlfriend or a girlfriend in general. Maybe that person has a lot of money. Maybe that person has the job you want, the looks you want, whatever it is that you're trying to compare yourself to. That person, you don't know the whole situation. You don't know what's going on behind closed doors. You don't know if they're even happy. Maybe you see them happy because you look at their Instagram and you look at their social media and you see, of course, the highlight reel, which is social media. Rarely does anyone post anything bad that's happening to them. It's mostly posting good stuff, good news. So you get a false view of what's going on. Remember, guys, social media is a false reality. It's not even a reality. I won't even categorize it as a reality. It's just seeing pictures and media and whatever it else is that you're seeing, anecdotes of things happening, but it is not what is actually happening. It's a blip of time that you are seeing. You are not seeing the truth. You're not seeing exactly what's happening, or I should say, you're not seeing the whole picture. And this is why we can't compare. We cannot compare ourselves to others because we don't know the whole story. Just like my friend, I thought I knew the whole story. I was clearly wrong. I did not know the story at all. I knew a percentage, a piece of the pie. I did not know the whole thing. And it's sad. It's sad that this person has to now deal with this. This is going to affect them the rest of their life. So here I am creating pictures in my head of what this person has and who this person is, and I'm completely wrong. And I wonder who you're doing that to in your life. Think about that for a second. I wonder who you're doing that to in your life. I I remember recently too, and that's kind of what sparked this idea for this episode. I was watching an interview with Dan Belzerian. I'd like to have him on the podcast eventually and talk to him, but I saw this snippet on TikTok or it was YouTube, one of those. And and I was hearing him talk about his reality, okay? And so his reality is, yes, he has had a crazy time in his life. He is someone that people are very envious of because he lives this luxurious and lavish lifestyle with lots of women around him. And the stories he's told about the amount of women he's slept with and the models he's, he's slept with and the money he has and the parties that he's been to and the parties that he's thrown and, and all that stuff. And I, re- I listened to this interview and even him himself, guy who, who seemingly has it all, who has all these crazy things going for him and on the, in this really fun lifestyle, he's had a lot of bouts of depression and anxiety. And he has had a lot of hard times. I'm not saying we should feel bad for him. That's not the point here. What I'm saying is, again, we don't know the whole story. We think we do. Of course, we can't deny that he's probably had some really fun times in his life and he's probably done some things that you and I will never do in our life. We'll get to that in a second. We'll we'll dive deeper into that idea. But understand that, again, we don't know the whole picture. Not everyone is happy all the time. Not everyone is living the life that you think that they're living. You don't know the full story. And you can't compare yourself to others. And this is where now I'm repeating myself in past episodes. You can't compare yourselves to others because it's impossible to do it because there's no, there's zero logic. There is zero logic because everyone has come from different backgrounds. Everyone has come from different places in their life. You're not equivalent. This is not a standard and fair scientific experiment where there's a control and a variable. It's not like that. You're talking about completely different situations. And yeah, listen, 
Some people get lucky and they've been handed some things or some things have come easier to people. Maybe they were born into a wealthy family. They were born good-looking, tall, uh, whatever it is. They've been socialized to the point where they're very charismatic and don't even have to listen to a podcast like this. But we still don't know the whole story. We don't know what's going on with them. We also don't know what they're even doing with their so-called luck that we think that they have. There's so much more that, again, it goes against any sort of logic to compare yourself. And I'll go with the cliche. You've heard me say it. You've heard maybe other people say it. The only person you compare yourself is to the person you were yesterday. That is a very fair comparison because there is a control there because you are living your life in this linear fashion according to time. And who you were yesterday is the only person you can compare yourself because you can either be growing or not growing or staying stagnant, whatever it may be. It's the person yesterday that you can try to become better than or more optimal or optimized. And of course, you're doing that right now by listening to this podcast. You're trying to become better. You're going through personal development journey, specifically in the world of, of dating and meeting women and confidence and self-esteem. So you're doing that. But again, understand here what we're talking about is that you can only compare yourself to yourself because it's the only logical way to do so. And also, you're just plain wasting your time. If you're just going to sit there and think about what other people are doing and how much they have and, and how awesome or so-called awesome their lives are, then you're not making your life better, are you? You're just sitting back in envy and depression and anxiety. And the only way to fix it, it's not about thinking about other people. It's about comparing yourself to who you were yesterday and trying to be better and better and better and only focusing on that. And I want to say this too, to kind of wrap this up before we go into Q&A here is there have been studies that have been done that have shown that after about 70, 80,000, and again, I think with inflation, maybe that's a little bit more, that's just my opinion. But according to the study, after 70,000 per year that you're making from your job, you don't get too much happier. Again, of course, I think this is all relative to where you live as well, right? 70,000 in uh, some random town in Arkansas might not compare to San Francisco, California, right? But either way, I think the idea here is, is there is a number, and it's not that high, where you are not going to get that much happier, and your day-to-day -day pretty much stays the same. And I have a, a theory into that as well. It's like, okay, let's say you do make a lot of money, right? Let's say you do make that double, triple that amount. You're making triple that amount. Maybe you're making $210,000 per year. And that's a lot of money compared to if you were just making 70. Well, what can you do? You can buy things. You can have a really nice home. You can buy stuff, right? You can buy more things. And so the whole idea here is you got to remember when it comes to buying more things, having more things, living in a very luxurious home compared to a home that you might have at 70,000, you're only going to be so much happier because we are so amazing as human beings at adapting. We adapt so well and so fast that you're always going to want more. You become really just uh, used to what it is that you're living here, what you got. Like, do you ever buy it? Like, think about the last thing you bought that you were very excited about. Okay, or something, let's even, let's go back two years from now, something you bought you were very excited about. Are you as excited about that item that you purchased now versus when you bought it two years ago? No. In fact, that thing that you might even be thinking about might even be gone or broken or worn out, you know, like a, like a pair of jeans or something like that. And that's because you get these little spikes of dopamine when you buy more things and when you have something new and things are new. So my point here is, is that yeah, you can get these little dopamine spikes, but it's not healthy. 
and it doesn't do anything for the long term. That's why I believe one of the many reasons why you are happy and it can only get so much happier, more fulfilled after 70,000. And actually, it's funny to quote down Belzirin, well, not really quote him, but I guess in his book that I've yet to read, I don't even know if I will, um, he talks about the idea of pleasure versus happiness. And I think that's what they're talking about here with that study is that, yeah, pleasure, right? You can masturbate, you can do some drugs, you can uh, buy the new thing you've always wanted to buy. You can uh, wait for that text message from that one girl, right? All these dopamine spikes, that's like pleasure, but that's not happiness. And happiness is something that is long lasting, that is more fulfilling. I believe that if you have enough, if you're making enough money, I'm not, by the way, I'm not saying that you should ever settle, you know, make as much money as you want, build a big business, uh, get the promotion, whatever you want to do, but don't do it to be happy, you know, do it for other means of success and goals. But if you're making that amount that makes you happy, right? 70,000 include inflation and maybe, you know, adding in some formula to make that appropriate to where you live. You have a wife that is a seven and above. And when I say seven and above, I mean, yes, she has maybe seven and above in looks, but she's also an amazing human being. And you have two to three really good friends. That's amazing. That's an amazing life right there. Again, you might want to go for higher. Maybe you're like, no, Trip, I'm going for the nine or 10 wife. Great. I'm not saying settle at five or six. That's settling. What I'm saying is like good enough in the good way, not in the settling way. We're going above average here. It's like you're making the above average salary with the above average wife with just a few really close friends. You're going to be a very happy person. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll tie into that, you know, being healthy, of course, right? You're not, you're not this jacked person where you're just like ripped, like Brad Pitt and Bike Club ripped. Okay, but you're not obese. You're kind of just like in the middle there. That's great. That's a good, healthy, normal weight. To me, that's above average. You're doing better than most people. Not that we need to compare, but in terms of being healthy, right? That's what I'm talking about. So again, my point here is, is stop comparing yourself, go for above average, and then optimize after that. It's like the first goal should be, all right, let's make the salary. Let's get the hot girlfriend who's awesome. Okay, let's get the few good friends. Let's be super healthy. Let's get all that stuff to kind of like the best level we can, which is going to be so fulfilling and so amazing for you. And then after that, we can have goals and we can optimize to to do more if you want to do more. Uh, and that, in those cases, that might be maybe a bigger salary, a bigger promotion. Maybe that's connecting with certain people that you want to connect with. Uh, maybe that's just goals in, in working out or Maybe it's goals within your hobbies, things like that. So that is what I believe. Take it or leave it to uh, live the best life and stop comparing yourself to others. And I believe that's what's going to make you healthy. We're going to go into Q&A now. We're going to answer some questions from people who have emailed in. They've emailed in at trip at tripadvice.com. They put in the subject line podcast question, and they have given a nice detail to their question, some unique questions here. And that's how you can do it as well if you want to get your questions answered here on the podcast. Email me trip at tripadvice.com. And also I should mention here that if you need more help in the arena of confidence, self-esteem, and you want to get to the point where you are meeting that amazing, beautiful girlfriend or having the casual relationships that you desire, you can always get coaching at coachedbytrip.com, the website to apply for coaching. And if coaching seems like that's a far stretch for you, right? So maybe coaching is uh 
just a little too intense at the moment, then you can start with my program called Hooked. Hooked is my video course that teaches you everything you need to know to meet and attract women starting from steps A to Z. So even if you've never talked to a girl in your life, that's okay. You're going to learn how to build attraction with women. You're going to learn how to get out of the friend zone and avoid the friend zone for good. You're going to learn how to uh, build attraction while also optimizing and being the best version of yourself in all the areas of your life, your behavior and your outer qualities. So I give you tips in terms of what to do to be healthy and, and deal with finances and all that stuff. So giving you a whole overall picture of what it means to be the most attractive version of yourself and how to practically implement it to attract more women. Check that out at getherhooked.com. Let's dive in to some questions. Hey, Trip, I just started listening to your podcast. I notice a lot of your approach-related podcasts are about approaching in bars, classes, or online. However, I'm not a big fan of most of those options. Most girls I encounter at bars are not exactly my cup of tea, beer, and most of, cla of the classes I take are much older women. There is a board game brewing company nearby, and typically the more nerdy types, which I like, go there. It also gives me an opportunity to learn their humor. However, this is obviously where people go for group activities. I've tried sitting down when it is just a couple of girls playing an easy game and asking if I can join, but I don't know what to do from there. Should I be looking for games that they can teach me? Is there a preferred group size I should look for? Is there a type of conversation I should engage in? Or is this just not the right place for this, probably? Any thoughts would be helpful. Thanks, Andrew. Andrew, I love this question. What a unique question. So specific to your situation, but I know that there's a lot of other guys out there that are having this issue too. Okay, so basically what you're asking, the question here is, is how do I meet women outside of the typical cold approach or online dating, right? At these events, we can say that they're hobby events, networking events, passion events, whatever it may be. How do you meet women in these places? There's a whole, there's a lot of different ways that you can go about this, okay? I'm gonna give you one today. Is this the way to do it? No, but it's a very good way. And here's what I would recommend to you. If you're going to this place where you enjoy board games and all this stuff, and this is a place to meet women, you wanna socialize with everybody. You wanna meet everybody. You wanna mingle. You wanna be fun and social. And what I would do is I would collect numbers from the guys that you like and the girls that you like. So you can say to them that once in a while you do happy hours. Now, I know this sounds funny that um, you, you said at the beginning, you don't want to meet girls at bars, but this is a different story. This is not meeting the women at the bars, but you create an event. And by the way, it doesn't have to be happy hours. It could be a dinner, right? So it could be every single week or every other week you do some fun dinner at a restaurant that you really enjoy or a type of cuisine. Maybe it's like Taco Tuesday and get people's numbers to invite them out to this event that you created. That way now you're taking people out of this scene into, hey, we're the group of people that like this game or you know whatever it is that the hobby is. And now you're kind of socializing. Now I know that might sound kind of funny, like, wait a minute, isn't, isn't that what you just do at those events? It is, but let's be honest, those events are more geared towards the brewing company, the, the board games, the hobby, the event. So what you're doing is you're taking this filter and you're going to these events and you're putting through the filter all the people that you like and all the people that you are interested in or attracted to. You get their numbers, you invite them out, and that's where you flirt with them. That's where you make the move. 
So it's not going to be weird where you're kind of like grabbing one girl's number and not the other. And it's like, well, what's going on? It's awkward. Just be the social guy who throws just social events geared around socializing and take these numbers, create the events, invite people out. Is everyone going to come? No, but that's okay. Uh, If they're not going to come, they probably weren't interested in you anyways. If you think that they were going to be interested in you at this event, but in theory, let's say they're not, and then they're going to come to that little event that you put on, obviously that's not going to happen. So all I'm saying is you're going to attract the right people to come to that. And that's how I would do it. Andrew, great question. Let's go to the next one. Hey, Trip. I met this girl in Bumble. We ended up going for a walk the next day. Went really well. Two days later, we had our second date for dinner and drinks. Had a great time. Ended up kissing when I dropped her off at home. Three days later, we went for our third date. Had a great time. No kiss this time as we didn't have the right moments with people around. I suggested dinner that night to finish our date. She invited me for dinner the next night. The next day comes around and she cancels due to family issues and has been cold on me since. I contacted her and she apologized that she didn't have the emotional availability due to what was going on. She replied that she would like to see me again and will contact me when she's up for it, but I haven't heard anything since. She's not even opening up my reply, even though she posts on Insta every day. So weird. I don't understand. I'm so confused because she seemed really into me in person and in text since we met. Regards, Anonymous. So the question here that I'm hearing is, what do we do when they all of a sudden just stop liking you? What do we do when they're just not interested anymore? How do we handle this? What do we, how do, what do we make of this? And I get it. Listen, this is a very frustrating moment. If I was going through this, and by the way, I have many times, I'd be very frustrated myself. This is one of those things where there's, there's not anything specific that you could do to reattract her. And there's, and I know this is not the answer that you're looking for, but we got to live in reality. And also you might not know for sure what it was that turned her off. Okay, I will help you here and I will go through kind of what you said to see if there's anything there. But, and I have a couple of ideas, but sometimes you do the few dates with someone and it just doesn't work out. And plus, by the way, it is is increasing odds that the more dates you go on with a person, the the less it's going to work out, right? Obviously, it's so easy to get a lot of first dates. But only a few of those first dates turn to second dates, only a few of those second dates turn to third dates, and so on and so forth. So just understand that it gets to a point sometimes where there just wasn't the connection, or maybe you did something unattract them. Uh, if Well, let's figure this out. So based on what I'm hearing you say, first of all, I'm going to get picky here, because maybe you can do something with this, and everyone else listening can do something with this as well. P- please don't go for walks. Walks are not good dates. It's hard to connect. Imagine just think about it, right? Logically, if you're sitting across from someone getting coffee or having a beverage of some sort versus walking around, where are you connecting more? Clearly, you're connecting more when you are sitting across from them. It is harder to connect when you're walking around and walking around is so casual. It's like what you do with friends. It's like, I don't want to set up like any sort of atmosphere on a first date where it could be considered any sort of friendly environment, which is like walking around during the day. Walk around with your friends, but really connect and seduce it's funny, as I say that out loud, it sounds like I'm the guy from Magnolia, if you know that movie. But yes, connect and seduce um, when you are on a date where you can look at each other, right? Eye contact is one of the greatest seduction tools of all time. Being able to connect with someone and being able to only focus on the person in front of you. So anyway, we'll, we'll keep going here. Now it says two days later, we had our second date. 
That seems very fast to me, but all right, you guys ended up kissing. Great. Everything pretty good so far. Three days later, you went on your third date. I just feel like you guys are going so fast. Like you should only be going on a date with the girl every once to once every five to seven days. And the reason why I say that is because you want a little time in there to A, let her know that you're a busy person, which builds attraction. B, have in theory time to be dating other women. So you want to have those days open. Of course, even if that's not happening, still, you still want to play that as a rule. So only seeing her once every five to seven days, or to to make this simple, once a week. So it sounds like at this point, what you did was you you, you kind of rushed it and it felt kind of rushed. And I just I just have a feeling based on what you're saying here that these dates are being set up so fast. Maybe, maybe, again, this is not a guarantee you're gonna know. So maybe this is gonna click for you. You were showing so much interest and you were overdoing it in whatever you were saying. Maybe you were saying that you like her so much or over-complimenting her and that pushed her away. And I'm and I'm wondering if that happened based on the fact that you guys were going on dates so close to each other, right? Then you said, I suggested dinner that night to finish our date. Yeah, it's like you were almost like doing so much, like, oh, let's hang out again, let's hang out again. It sounds potentially needy, and that is one of the, out of two, most unattractive traits, neediness, right? So instead, she was like, oh, let's just do it another night. And then after that, it was it was done. So I think that you ended up showing some neediness, and that is what I believe is what caused this downfall and what caused the kill of attraction. But maybe it didn't. Maybe it was just not a connection from the beginning and she just didn't feel it. I hope that helps and uh, and good luck to you, my friend. Go to the next question. Hey, Trip, I've been listening to your podcast for over a year and I'm loving each episode. Thanks, man. It's been helping me with various parts of life and I'm glad I found it. I have a few questions I would love for you to answer on the podcast. Okay, we got a lot of questions here. Let's do this. One, I have an issue creating small talk and find myself jumping the gun each time I start talking to a girl online or in person. For example, after asking where she is from, what she does for work, what she does for fun, I end up asking her if she's single or if she wants to date. My buddy said I'm rushing and need to create small talk. Could you give me some tips on how to improve small talk? Okay, so I'll start with this question. The best way to improve small talk the best thing that you can do is, it, by the way, I think it's totally fine as a cold approach to before you go on the date, so however you meet her, right, in some sort of cold approach setting or maybe it's a hobby setting or whatever, networking, whatever, that it's okay to, to ask those questions, what do you do for fun, where are you from, da, 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 da. You are doing small talk. The problem is, is it sounds like you're not going, you're not expanding on it. So it's not, I don't think your problem is, is how to improve small talk. I think you're, you're, Real question is, is how do I make this conversation go a little bit longer and maybe even deeper into deep talk, into big talk, than having that five-minute conversation about just what are you doing, where are you from? Again, that's fine to bring up in a conversation. That's normal because it's more about how you say what you're saying, not what you're saying, but it doesn't help if you're doing that for just a couple of minutes. So what you want to do to answer your question is you want to use the technique of extraction, extracting a word from what she's saying and talk about that for a little bit. So if you're asking her where she's from and she says where she's from, don't just go to the right next the next question and say, oh, what do you do? Expand on it. Go into it. Use this time to tease her, to flirt with her. Use this time to challenge her. Challenging is a great way of flirting. Challenging means that you are saying things to her where you're saying questions based on what you're looking for in a partner. It's like, so 
You're not one of those girls who like just sits on their couch all day and like doesn't do anything athletic, are you? Again, that'd be a great challenging question if you're looking for someone who's more active and physically fit. So you got to be using inside of the small talk, inside of and in between these questions, other questions and other statements and maybe potentially even stories or anecdotes or whatever it may be that you can talk on to then expand the conversation to allow for more connection because the longer you talk to them, the more invested they get. Women take time to become attracted. Women are, uh, and this is coming from um, RSD Julian, he says this, women are a dial and men are a light switch. Genius. He's absolutely right. Women take more time to build attraction. A man can be turned on like that. Women take a little bit more time, so you want to expand the small talk. All right, let's go to number two. Oh, this is great. Um, it looks like this is even going into what we were just talking about. He says, number two, you keep talking about having non-negotiables for your ideal girl. Could you do an episode that helps us figure out how to make them? I tried, but it ended up too long, and I thought I was too picky. Any help is appreciated. Uh, I should I should mention, I do have a book, by the way, that talks about this. Also, it is in the Hooks program. But if you're a guy who likes to read or a person who likes to um, listen to an audiobook, then Magnetic would be a great option for you. Magnetic is on Amazon. You can check it out. The link is in my show notes as well. Uh, but I talk about the non-negotiables in depth in there. But I'll, I'll give you a little tip right now for non-negotiables. Non-negotiables, you want three. Why three? Any more than three, and you narrow your pool so small it becomes harder to find that woman that you're interested in. So you want three good non-negotiables. Now, how to figure that out? Honestly, I'll give you a, I'll give you some tips here. Think fit, feminine, and friendly. Honestly, I would use those as a starting point for your non-negotiables. Uh, try not to use non-negotiables like she really likes me, she's really into me, she's really sweet, she doesn't have uh, uh, daddy issues. Like those should just be like default. Like that is default the kind of woman that you want, anyways. Uh, meaning you, you, of course, you're going to want a girl who's, who's nice and a girl who likes you and a girl who's sweet and, and all those things. So try to think about, is this something that, okay, every girl should have this or is this specific to what I want, right? Some guys want someone who is specifically good at their finances. I always say one non-negotiable has to be surrounded by kids, whether you want kids or don't want kids. So you got to figure out, do you want that or not want that? And that should be one of your non-negotiables. That's a big one too. So I would use that. That's some tips for that. Try to figure out how to narrow it down. And also, if you can't narrow it down, play with them a little bit. Start to date women that have some of them or don't have some of them, and then you're going to figure out which ones are actually important versus ones that are not. Number three, and I, I've heard this question before, so we'll do our best here, even though I'm sorry for anyone who, who has heard this as a repeat. Three, I live in a small town with less than 110,000 people. Uh, by the way, that's not that small of a town. That's not so bad. He goes on to say, the closest bigger town is over eight hours away. I don't want to be a stepdad, but in my town, almost every girl got pregnant while in high school. And at 24, finding a girl with no kids is nearly impossible. I want to move, but I'm not in a financial position to move to a bigger city. Should I just overlook my desire to not be a stepdad and give it a shot? Or should I wait out until I can find or move the rare girl without a kid in this town? Thanks for all you do. Hopefully one day I can join your coaching programs, but for now, I'll stick to the podcasts. Brian from Thunder Bay. All right, so now you're asking here, uh, should, you be, should you be a stepdad or should you hold off to a woman um, that you might be able to meet uh, in another time? Well, first of all, no, I don't think you should be a stepdad. I think you should, uh, 
it sounds like you're a young guy. You should really hold off on being a stepdad because it sounds like you want to have your own kids. And it sounds like you don't want to be a stepdad. I don't know who would want to be a stepdad. Let's be real. And so because of that, um, you know, you shouldn't be set. You should not be settling. So you clearly don't want to do that. But it sounds like the bottleneck, when I say a bottleneck, I mean, you know, the, the point here that's really holding you back is the fact that you cannot move to a new city. Because the advice is you got to move to a new city, but that is far away. But you said you're not in a financial position. Then you got to work on your financial position. You have to do everything you can. And I don't want any excuses. A lot of people give excuses. Oh, no, I can't make. There is, I think now, this is the time in all of history where it couldn't be easier to make money. This is the easiest time in the world, all due to the internet. The fact that you have everyone on the internet and the whole internet is filled with people who are looking for things that they're interested in or trying to find value in so many different ways. And you can reach all these people in all these different ways to give them value. I have made a, a job and, and career out of giving dating advice. That is weird. I'll admit it and I'll be the first to admit it. It's weird. How many people do you know who's a dating coach? But I did it. If I can do that, good Lord, you, you can make money in another way. Follow Gary V. Gary V, he's a, he's, a, he's a famous entrepreneur, influencer. He talks about side hustles all the time. You know, I'll give you a couple bits of advice. Just know that anything that you're interested in, there's other people interested in as well. And if you document that stuff and you side hustle your way to creating a little niche on the internet of something that you're really interested in, you can make money that way. You can make money off of advertisements. I mean, oh my God, TikTok, like all these people, it's so easy to go viral on TikTok based on little niches. And you don't need to be some hot girl dancing on TikTok. You can be a guy nerding out on board games or whatever you want. And you can find an audience. And that audience can, can give you value in the form of money, which is what we're talking about here, to help you uh, in the sense where you can continue to give the value that you're giving. I'm staying generic here, so this can, or I should say, uh, being broad here, maybe a little vague, so everyone can kind of get an understanding of what this what this could be. What is it that you're interested in? What is it that you can give value on? I mean, I even the other day, I was looking on, I think it was my TikTok, I got an ad or something, or it was, it was, it was Instagram, that you can make money by taking pictures and uploading them to a site that's a stock photo site, and they'll pay you for your pictures so they can use them and they can sell them to other people who are looking for stock footage. I mean, and you, if you have an iPhone, even like an iPhone 8, it's going to take pretty good pictures. So my point here is, and we don't have to get too deep into this, but I think you get the idea. There is a lot of ways that you can make money. And I have a gut feeling that you do not have to be making that much money to live in the closest town that's eight hours away. It does not have to be something where it's a significant amount. Why don't you reverse engineer the process? Figure out how much money is it going to take me to live in that town? So let's say you can figure out, okay, well, I looked up a couple of places. Rent costs this much. Food there costs this much. This is what I like for entertainment. And this is what I figure out. What is the bare minimum that you need? Okay, figure out how much you need to make per month. What is that per year? I like to go a little bit more per month so you can figure out like how much you can make per month to survive because 
monthly expenses is is you know what we kind of go by here. So if your monthly expenses are let's say it's four thousand dollars all in, okay, then you need to make at the minimum four thousand dollars in a side hustle. Is this going to happen overnight, Brian? No, of course not. This is going to take. Uh, it could take a couple years, but I would be even shocked if it took that long. If you are really learning this stuff, and listen, you are listening to this podcast, so you have access to information, which means you have access to information to help you to make more money, to do a side hustle. And I don't want anyone out there giving the excuse like, oh, well, it's easy for you. No, of course it's not easy, but it is totally doable. You're going to have to work really hard. You might have to work nights nights and weekends. Let me tell you something. When I started TripAdvice, when I started TripAdvice in 2011, I mean, I was literally working all the time. I was literally working all of the time. And that is what you have to do if you want to create something for your own and make your own money. I was, I'm kidding you not, working every, like all day and all night, weekends too. So I was, I was building the, the, the systems to attract people to, you know, buy the courses and, and buy coaching. This is what I do right now for, the, for this podcast, right? It's kind of the same idea, but I had nothing. I was at ground zero. So I was working all, on all that, creating products for people, thinking, okay, what could I help people with? How can I help people with flirting and meeting women and approach anxiety? How can I bring value, right? So how can I create value that's going to be an exchange for value, i.e. money? How can I build this business? And then on the weekends, I was taking guys out coaching and then Sunday would be kind of the day of rest. But like, let's be honest, I was looking at my email all the time and thinking about like what other videos to make and and uh, and yes, yeah, so I was working all the time. So I can't imagine that anyone else would have to do anything less. You got to work hard. It's going to be stressful at times. You're going to hit walls. But if you want to get to the point where you're not a stepdad and you're living in a town that has more people with more options, and that is a big priority for you, and being a stepdad is one of your, in your own sense, non-negotiables for what you want for your life, then that's what you got to do. And hopefully, by the way, it should be fun. Like, hopefully, you enjoy the process of uh, whatever it is that you're interested in that's going to bring value and, and make you money. Hopefully, you're interested in that side hustle. That's kind of the point, too. And you kind of get both best of both worlds. You make money to have the freedom to do the things that you want to do. And then you get to do the things, the things that you want to do, which is awesome, right? So that's what I would do, my friend. And I'm really uh, grateful for your questions because they were great ones today. If you need coaching, if you want to join the coaching program where I can mentor you personally and and I have a whole team of, of people that are going to be able to help out with that as well. So there's lots of options for you. If you want that mentorship, want that coaching, help meeting women, attracting women, talking to women, and being able to have the kind of dating life you want where you're meeting the eights, nines, and tens that you're interested in, apply. Coachedbytrip.com. Let me help you. Don't do this on your own. Let me be there to support you, to motivate you, to tell you exactly what to do, to save you a ton of time. Because let me tell you something, it is going to take a lot of time to do this on your own. So let's save that time and let's do the coaching. Coachedbytrip.com, apply today. And again, if that is just a little bit too much of a time investment for you right now, or maybe it's something you know you can't invest in financially, then I would go for the other option where it's like a self-coaching program, my hooked program getherhooked.com. Go there, check that out. Uh, when you go to getherhooked.com, yes, it's a it's a little racy. It's a little not safe for work for a minute, but it will at least tell you everything 
that Hooked is all about. And if you don't even need to know that, you just want to go get the program, then what I would do is just enter email and go and add it to the cart and just get it. Getterhook.com. Lots of options for you. I hope that helps, my friends. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you on the next episode. 